Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Today is another AMA episode. That is Ask Me Anything. I'd love to answer your questions, and if you have a question you think is going to be of broad interest, send it in. I'll answer it live on the air. Send your questions to victor at victorjm.com. That's victor at victorjm.com. Today's question comes from Rich, who writes, I'm considering an investment in a boutique hotel vacation property in Costa Rica with 18 rooms on the beach. For investors looking beyond their local markets, what considerations and challenges should they be mindful of when venturing into international real estate investments? Well, Rich, this is a great question. To start with, 18 rooms is too small to effectively operate. There's a reason why all of the new hotels you see being built in North America have a minimum of 100, maybe even 120 rooms. Less than that doesn't work from an operational perspective. Investing in Costa Rica can offer opportunities, but like any investment destination, it comes with its share of challenges and pitfalls. Here are some of the potential drawbacks that I see when I think about investing in Costa Rica. Number one is legal and regulatory complexity. Navigating the legal and regulatory landscape in Costa Rica can be complex, and changes can occur. You should seek local legal advice to understand the intricacies of property ownership, business operations, and potential changes in laws that might affect investments. Don't forget, Costa Rica is very environmentally focused, and there's a lot of environmental regulations that might catch you by surprise. Number two, land title issues. Land title disputes have been a historic challenge in Costa Rica. It's essential to conduct thorough due diligence on the property title to ensure that you absolutely have clear ownership and you minimize the risk of legal complication. Number three is lack of infrastructure. And while Costa Rica has made significant progress in developing its infrastructure, some areas still lack a lot of robust infrastructure. You got to consider the accessibility and quality of the infrastructure in the specific region you're interested in. Number four, bureaucracy. Dealing with the bureaucratic process, obtaining the necessary permits can be time-consuming. Even simple things like a business license. You've got to be prepared for potential delays in obtaining approvals for projects or any kind of improvements. Number five, cultural and language. These differences can present challenges in communicating and in business transactions. Just relying on Google Translate is not going to be enough. Building strong relationships with local partners and seeking professional advice may help you navigate those challenges. But given all of these issues that represent risk to your investment, my answer to your question is, in fact, a question back to you. If your investment is truly an investment, then I need to ask you about your investment criteria. What are you after? Most investors are after a rate of return on their investment. By suggesting Costa Rica, what you're effectively saying is that you've exhausted all of the local opportunities inside English-speaking North America, where the legal system has its roots in British common law, where property rights are strong, and where you have a potentially strong network of advisors, consultants, employees, and customers. My personal answer to that question is to stay within the local economy as long as I've not exhausted those opportunities locally. Now, when I say locally, I'm not referring to a tiny radius within a drive of my house. I mean finding those best opportunities within the U.S. or Canada, where market and sub-market fundamentals are strong. I want to see a sustained mismatch between demand and supply. I also want to see impedance to new supply that will maintain that demand stronger than supply for a good long time in that hyper-local sub-market. I've owned real estate internationally. Some of that property was in our family, and somehow we managed to retain ownership despite being displaced by the Second World War. We owned three properties on the island of Rhodes that had previously been in Italy before the war and then came under Greek authority after the war. The Greek government claimed abandonment of the property. We actually sued the Greek government and won. 
but I don't speak Greek, and we actually did lose some property that housed the tennis courts next to the house to the property next door. We also lost a bit of land at the back of the garden where the city decided to put in a road, and there was no compensation for either of those losses. So you might assume that a fair condemnation process exists. That's not necessarily true. I've explored various international investments myself, more out of curiosity than anything else. What I found is that there's numerous pitfalls to be aware of, and frankly, I have no idea whether I've discovered 90% of the pitfalls or maybe I've just got the tip of the iceberg and only know 10% of them. I've investigated Belize, which is close to Costa Rica, and that used to be British Honduras. The laws are written in English, and the real estate laws are fee simple title, similar to what you would be used to in the U.S. or Canada. Belize is an up-and-coming market in the Caribbean, and it sits at the bottom of the Yucatan Peninsula. The problems I see with Belize are the small population of under half a million, the lack of infrastructure, the lack of commercial lending, and the fragile economy that's dependent entirely on tourism. The history is that Guatemala, with 17 million people next door, tried once to invade the country before Margaret Thatcher came to the rescue and booted them out. It could happen again, and we'd be relying on the U.S. and the U.K. to defend Belize. It gives you a flavor of the types of considerations I think about. Some people use the argument that they want to diversify out of the U.S. economy and see destinations in the Caribbean and South America as good alternatives. I personally would only look there once I've exhausted opportunities in the U.S. and Canada, and I don't see that happening in my lifetime. I want to thank you, Rich, for an awesome question. And for the listeners at home, have a fantastic rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thank you.